What does San Diego State's departure from the Mountain West Conference mean for Utah's future in the Pac-12? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. My name is JT Wiss, a former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And if this is your first time joining our show, we thank you for that. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. On today's show, we're going to talk more conference realignment, a little bit of Isaac Wilson as well as he had a big week and Utah playing South Carolina in women's basketball in this December. And in order to help us talk about all that, it's Nathan Roderick of Ute Zone. Appreciate you joining us, Nathan. And when you're talking about Utah and conference realignment, it's been conference realignment in general has been kind of crazy, right? We don't know what's going to happen. The future is going to hold and everything. But there was a domino that was expected to fall, but finally fell as it relates to Utah's future in the Pac-12, in my opinion. And that was San Diego State leaving the Mountain West Conference. And although they don't have an official offer from the Pac-12, although they have just left, this is one of those things where I, I feel like even though it said like, oh, they don't have an official offer, this has been rumored to be happening for a long time. There have been discussions we know between Commissioner Kalyakov and everyone at San Diego State. So I fully expect that eventually. And I will say, I mean, I'll give the Big 12 some credit. There is a chance that the Big 12 ends up with San Diego State. I think that is possible. But Everything we've heard is that it's going to be Utah and San Diego State. And I really think from a travel standpoint right now, I just don't think San Diego State's interested in jumping up and then traveling all the way out to West Virginia and some of the other Big 12 schools. Like I would, I personally would just be surprised on that. It's definitely possible. I feel like San Diego State's going to end up in the Pac-12 and it's a Pac-10 right now, obviously. So, excuse me, my voice. Um, I feel like once it gets back up to the 12 Pac-12, that strengthens that the Pac-12 in terms of their media rights negotiations, all of that things. And I think it would help Utah and the Pac-12 just get to a level where per year they're paying their schools to maybe a little higher, maybe just about the same amount, or maybe a little bit lower than what the Big 12 is getting. And I think this could be the first domino to fall that leads to Utah staying in the Pac-12. Yeah, it seems like that San Diego State um, is kind of not taking a risk, but they're kind of just kind of see, you know, they want to see what their value is, you know, in the market. Um, and I agree with you. I think the Pac-12 makes the most sense for San Diego State. And what's so intriguing about San Diego State is that, you know, with the Pac-12 losing UCLA as well as USC, you know, Utah can still go back into that Southern California market and play games. Um, yes. Great way for recruits, you know, um, to say that you're still going to be playing around that area. And the San Diego, the city of San Diego is huge. Yes. Um, the university has like 30,000 kids. So it's not like it's they're they're a Mountain West team right now, but they can seriously be upgraded to the Pac-12 and make that transition rather quick. I think they have respectable basketball and football programs. Mm -hmm. And I think being in the Pac-12 would seriously help them out. And they would also help the Pac-12 out. Beat a really good Utah team, or I guess what was shaping into a really good Utah football team back in 2021, right? Like Cam Rising yeah. came in the second half. It was uh, kind of his first opportunity. We really saw him take the reins of this team. And what seemed like it was just going to be a magical comeback for Cam Rising, like the first moment in what was going to be an incredible win. Just ended up coming up short in overtime, and credit to San Diego State for doing that. Now Cam and Utah were able to get their revenge on them. 
2022, but especially to your point, like about their basketball program. I mean, they were just in the final four, an incredible run for San Diego State um, and their athletics. I really think it would take them a lot quicker to get up to Pac-12 speed. And we've seen a lot of other teams because to your point, they have the students. The funding is there. I think it would get up to the level very quickly. We've already seen their sports be competitive. So I do think they would legit add a competitive option for Utah and the other teams in the conference too. And I think that it's not crazy to think like that five years from now, they could be one of the four best football programs. That seems unlikely, but when Utah first joined, you think people thought they were going to be one of the best programs in the Pac-12? I don't think so. And I think capitalizing on that San Diego state market, as you mentioned, Nathan, or is that San Diego market? I I think that's huge for the Pac-12 and the recruits out that are out there that want to be able to stay in the Pac-12 and be able to play in that area and that region. Right. No, I, I completely agree. I think San Diego State itself, you know, is a growing university. And I just pictured Utah, you know, 10 or so years ago when they were about to make the transition. And I think San Diego State's almost even in a better spot than Utah was just because of the transfer portal. Um, they have more money available within the area and they could be competitive rather quickly. And like I, you said, if they came into the Pac-12 even last year, they'd be you know, in the bottom half of the conference, but they could easily start flirting with the top half of the conference, you know, with better recruiting mm-hmm. over within a couple of years. And they've had some players too. I think it was Rashad Penny, uh, one of recent memory. They've had some dudes that they've been able to put in the NFL. We already mentioned. Folk. Yeah, exactly. They've already mentioned yeah. a couple of the guys for basketball too. They have a guy in Matt Bradley who will probably going to be a second round pick this year. So there, there's some guys there. I think it would bolster the, the Pac-10 right now and help go back to making it the Pac-12. And when you're bolstering it and making it back into the Pac-12, Nathan, of course, you do need to add other schools. And that's where I'm kind of curious who the other school would be. I would like it to be SMU. I think there's a strong chance it could still be SMU. That's another one we've heard Commissioner Kalyakov talking about. I just think getting to me, it's so different making one trip out to Texas like every two years than the West Virginia going to Cincinnati, like all the trips that would entail right. San Diego State or Pac-12 schools, like if they were to join the the Big 12 and all the the travel and everything that that can kind of ensue because Look, as much as we like to talk about this stuff on paper and like their defense ranks here, these stats rank here, we're dealing with human beings. The travel that USC and UCLA are going to have to endure, I really think is going to have an impact on these guys. They're going to wake up one morning in their third week in a row, the travel. I just have a very hard time seeing a USC and a UCLA being two of the two, the top two teams, like in the Big Ten their first couple of years, like being in Big Ten championship games. I don't see that happening with how brutal those schedules are. And part of that is the travel. And I think that's something the Pac-12 can avoid by staying together, by having everyone stay in kind of the close regions, the mountain time zone, the West Coast time zone. And then if you just have one, like in Texas, to me, that's very doable where you have one long trip because it's kind of what a lot of these teams make anyways. We saw Utah do that kind of with a Florida team. They're doing that with a Baylor this year. Like to me, that wouldn't be bad at all to have one team down there. And I think it's nice to bolster that Texas recruiting market a little bit too, which is one of the places for high school football prospects as we know. Right. And, and SMU, you know, it's right in the heart of Dallas too. So mm-hmm. another huge market, tons of recruits live there, like you said, and it's not too far for them. Of course, I like guess Seattle trip would be pretty long, but if they're traveling to Arizona or Utah or Colorado, that's not a very long trip yeah. for them. So very favorable for SMU and the Pac-10 at this point. 
Yeah, it is going to be really interesting to do. Um, and just once again, why this really helps Utah to me is just getting back up to 12 schools, adding a strong member, I really feel like could boost the value of their media rights deal and make it so Apple or Amazon, whoever that is, is going to pony up a little bit more cash. ESPN still wants that late night slot based on some things we have heard. So they might pony up a little more cash too. So, and I don't even use pony just because it's SMU and everything that applies there. No pun intended even. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting and exciting to see how this falls out and this is just the latest thing of what figures to be a crazy summer. We knew San Diego state had to do it before their time, um, before their deal ended, like it was June 30th, they've passed that. It would have like doubled up whatever the value would have been. So it was smart for them to get out when they did. And look, they're going to end up in one of these two conferences. You don't make a, ro- a move like this unless you have a plan. And as I said, I-, I would be very surprised if it's not them in the PAC 12, but it's going to be interesting to see one thing. San Diego state, if they do join the PAC 12 in 2024 and beyond is going to have to reckon with is Utah football and Isaac Wilson. We're going to come back and talk about what he did last week in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on all the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Do you guys think Shonae Otani is going to be able to keep it up? Do you think your team's fortune is going to be able to turn around if they're struggling this season? Do you think if they're doing really well, they'll be able to continue that momentum? You can get in on all the great odds in action at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to sag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, Nathan, coming back into this one. Isaac Wilson has already gotten off to, or excuse me, the Utah Football 2024 recruiting class has gotten off to a great start by landing Isaac Wilson, one of the top quarterbacks in his class, a top 15 recruit. I forget exactly where he ranks the last time I looked at him, but um, he might even end up being better than the top 15 based on how he performed this past weekend when he went up to their um, of the 11 elite finals they have they host and he went up against some of the top quarterbacks I mean, you're talking about a guy like dylan rayola i I apologize for mispronouncing his name but he's going to georgia he's one of the top players uh julian saiyan going to alabama like there's all these performers and guys you have at this elite camp the elite 11 finals as i mentioned and one of the guys who was listed as one of the standouts on a couple of the days was isaac wilson and for day two in particular he was ranked as seventh overall and i think this is great when you're utah to have a quarterback who's performing this highly at this type of a camp nathan and i think it also just shows the ceiling that wilson has as a quarterback as we've been able to see up close a couple times since he just plays down the road at corner canyon Right. Yeah. I think one of the days he was like, you know, one of the most accurate passers mm-hmm. and he went 16 for 20 in one of the days. Um, I think he kind of fell out of the top 10 as far as like the final results went, mm-hmm. but he was right there. Um, it's fun to see the names and the schools that he was competing with the yeah. Alabamas, the Ohio States, you know, the LSU, George, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, all those. And Isaac Wilson was right there you know, competing with them. Um, he, he got measured again there and he measured right at six feet has like, um, and so there's still some room to grow, I think, on his frame. But I really want to see, you know, Isaac Wilson you know, dial down his, his accuracy, you know, going into this year. I think that was one thing he needs to improve on. He's got the arm strength. Um, just from my point of view, watching him last year, is that his accuracy does need to improve a little bit. And it's nice to see that he did so well at this Elite 11 camp with such you know, prestigious individuals around him, a lot of other coaches and great mentors at this program. Um, 
and it's a great showcase for Isaac's skill set and kind of boosts his excitement for the for the year and, and boosts his viewing. And like I said earlier, it's just great to see you know, Utah being represented in such a prestigious competition. And we'll get back to Isaac Wilson in a second, but Nathan, one note you made before we jumped on is how this isn't the first time we've seen a Utah quarterback be mentioned in this kind of a camp with these quarterbacks, particularly the day 11 one, what we saw Nate Johnson do last year. Right. Yeah. So Nate Johnson was part of this, um, this group a couple of years ago as well. And he performed really well. It's just basically, it's just a showcase for the nation's top quarterbacks. And, you know, like I said before, you see Ohio States, you see LSUs and, the fact that Utah is able to secure Isaac Wilson this early in the process is a great testament to this work that the staff has done. And then makes you also really excited that this 2024 class already has a quarterback and he's a local guy. And so moving forward with the recruiting, when you have a guy come in, you have a receiver, you just call Isaac Wilson. Hey, he just wants to meet you for lunch. You want, you want to come up here for a meal, you know, and uh, Isaac Wilson can meet, you know, some recruits and help out the, uh, the process moving forward. But overall, the Elite 11 is a great little program for these recruits. And recruits are going to want to play for a guy that was in the Elite 11 showcase. And because it's so such a, a big showcase for all the talent around the whole nation and, you know, re- receivers and tight ends and linemen, you know, they recognize how big of a deal it is. And to your point as well, Wilson has been openly talking about how he wants to recruit these guys. He wants to help bolster his pass catching core for when he enrolls on campus too. And uh, you mentioned the size a little bit. Look, he's not going to get a t- much taller at all, of course. But I think the one thing that's nice is he can add some more strength and put on a little bit more weight in a in the right kind of ways as you do when you're kind of in a strength conditioning program. I've already seen uh, just even in the short time that Spencer Fano has been up at Utah as an early enrollee. And obviously this transition of weight and what I'm talking about is very different for an offensive line versus quarterback but it just goes to show you the different strength and conditioning programs they can get you on i mean i saw fano in november at some of the state championship stuff and then looking at him in practices i was like that's the same guy like it's already that kind of a transformation and i feel like wilson is definitely going to be capable of making that we know he's going to be committed we know he's going to be brought into the process and i really think nathan just even let's talk about wilson more so i think this is a guy who's going to have a chance to compete for the job in 2024 it is not easy to start in your first year under kyle winningham so brandon rose and the nate johnson of the world they definitely definitely have the edge but look Wilson is a special kind of player you mentioned he does need to clean up the accuracy a little bit I think decision making sometimes he can be a little careless with the ball did talk about a guy who threw 16 interceptions last year but he also threw 40 touchdowns too so that does show you the kind of the high ceiling and the potential he's got and uh I, I think we're gonna see a huge improvement from him this year even more so than how good and he was great last year I think we'll see even more of an improvement this year as well so I, I'm really high on Wilson do you kind of share that sentiment yeah, I, would, I definitely agree. And I love his arm strength more than anything. Um, at Corner Kane, they let him sling that thing. Yes, they um, do. He was a little inaccurate. And decision-making was a little shaky, like you said. I think his team is going to be a little bit better this year um, at Corner Canyon. And so I think that'll make him look a little bit better and make those decisions mm-hmm. a little bit easier. But as far as like for the 2024 you know, competition – it's going to be wide open. Um, yeah. The coaches are just going to start from a blank slate. It seems like uh-huh. obviously, you know, guys like that have been there will have a advantage, but when you have a talent like Wilson coming in and such as great arm strength, you know, you can't just ignore that. And exactly. he'll probably need to develop his body a little bit more, but you know, never say never. 
100%. And when you're talking about Wilson too, I'd be shocked if he's not an early enrollee. I mean, he's right oh, down yeah. the street from where Utah is. So he's yeah. going to be going up. He doesn't have to, a lot of these guys who are early enrollees, like they had to come out to Utah. Like when you're talking about this most recent class, like they have to miss out on prom and all those kind of things. Wilson can just go early enrollee and still make all of those <laughs> things. And those things you want to do for your special, like senior year um, types of things like that too. And um, I think one thing too, is we, because we mentioned the inaccuracies and some of the stuff like that too. Look, um, and I think some people say that it's like he threw for all these yards and all these things like that. We are just trying to hold him to a standard of one of the top 10 quarterbacks. This guy who's going to have a chance to be a starter right away. We are not saying he's an inaccurate quarterback. We're just saying he needs to clean up those things. You got to clean up the accuracy, more consistency. Cause once again, I like Wilson, Nathan, you just talked about what you like Wilson. He, who did throw 16 interceptions last year. So just because he is a great prospect doesn't mean he doesn't have things to improve on too. Cause I think some people will hear what some of the things we've said, we're like, Oh, he just needs to get better at this. And it's like, you're criticizing him. No, it's just talking about how he needs to get better and grow. He's not ready right now to walk into Utah and start over a cam rising, obviously. Right. Because he still has those things to make. He's still growing as a player. And as just a prospect in general, when you're talking about recruiting, I expect him to have an unbelievable senior campaign, his team. And it's not just because of his skill set, but they are loaded corner cannon. I'd be sure shocked if they don't win the state championship game uh this year overall they should be one of the best teams in the state and i really feel like we're gonna see wilson put it all together and i wouldn't be surprised to see him crawl up those quarterback rankings and really kind of some of those concerns we have even this year like make huge strides and just improve the accuracy improve the decision making nathan yeah i think he was in like right below image in the 10 and 15 range of like the top quarterbacks in the nation you know and that was coming off a junior year where he did throw for 16 interceptions and if we he has this season that I expect him to, I could easily see him creep into that top ten quarterback rankings. And you know, it's easy to ignore that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like I said earlier, you know, recruits you know, want to see the quarterback in the top ten, and it makes Utah such a more attractive place when they already have a quarterback, you know, in place for twenty twenty four, and start the recruiting class like that. You know, the sky's the limit. Sky is absolutely limited. And uh, speaking about the sky being the limit, this is a pretty cool thing. What we're going to close out with today, Nathan, is a Utah women's basketball announced an early scheduling thing. They will be playing South Carolina women's basketball in Connecticut. So not going to South Carolina, but instead they are going to be going and playing in the Basketball Hall of Fame Women's Showcase December 10th. It'll be South Carolina versus Utah in Connecticut, as I mentioned. This is huge and something I am really excited about to see two top programs going at it too. And look, South Carolina women's basketball, they've been a juggernaut the last few years. They're going to be really good. They're going to be top five. I'm not sure if they will be the number one team. I would imagine it would be Iowa just because Caitlin Clark is coming back. Uh, could, I mean, LSU returns a bunch of people. Actually, probably LSU, honestly. Angel Reese, uh, they picked up. I forgot the name of the girl they added as well. But either way, South Carolina, I still expect them to be in the top five. Don Staley, of course, does a great job over there with the recruits. And we know Utah is going to be right in that top five range too with all, everyone coming back. I mean, they lost – three bench players I want to say from this year's team last year like all mm. the starters are going to be back like this is going to be a great matchup and it's just awesome that Utah women's basketball is going to be on this level of a stage Nathan no I completely agree I think you know when ESPN came out there like way too early you know top 25 um they had Utah right number five and they had, even had South Carolina at eight and so it kind of shows where Utah women's basketball is at the moment and like you said being able to return all of your starters with that motivation of you know how disappointed they were in their in the ending last year. Mm-hmm. And what's going to be so cool is that they play them so early on in the season that people are going to be riding the Utah train for all the season long, because it seems like, you know, Utah picked up some momentum you know, later on in the year, 
you know, they beat Stanford at home and then won the Pac-12 championship. And that's when people started noticing Utah. Yeah. But if you were able to start the year in early December and beat a team like South Carolina, you know, you're going to get eyeballs for the whole entire season. And I think that'll be huge for this program moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, they beat Oklahoma last year. Um, I think they beat Ole Miss in a tournament. Those are two very good programs. I mean, South Carolina over the past five seasons has been the program in women's college basketball. So even if it's a narrow loss, like that's still a really positive oh, thing. Yeah. I think it'll be an ex- incredible experience, uh, not just for Lynn Roberts and her staff, but for when you talk about Jenna Johnson, Jalen Eakins, to be able to go to the Basketball Hall of Fame to play in front of the legends and everyone that is going to be there. It's going to be a really special thing. And this is a Utah women's basketball team that, I mean, last year they did lose to the eventual national champions. So that's a big thing as well, where it's like, hey, we lost the champ. If we had gotten a different path, maybe we meet them in the championship game. Maybe things go differently too. So I got to imagine they're really excited to get the season rolling around again. And uh, another thing that's going to be awesome, Nathan, is you just mentioned like kind of the momentum they picked up when they had a chance to play Stanford for the, a share of the regular season championship. That's when we kind of saw the fans and everyone start to show up as well. I, I think the atmosphere is going to be great for a lot of the home games this season. Um, I think, like you said, once the tournament rolls around, we're going to see a ton of support for them again the hype for this coming women's basketball season is going to be stronger than ever before. And the team has earned the right to get such strong fan support to be featured on ESPN and some of these nationally televised games too. And it is just a really exciting position that Lynn Roberts has this program in, especially considering three years ago now or two years ago, however the math works out, but two seasons ago, they only won five games during that kind of weird COVID season and everything. And now since they've just become a women's basketball juggernaut. Yeah, I think it you know shows how good of a coach Lynn Roberts is Absolutely. that she was able to bring this program back from the dead and yeah, the and also right and bring back all five of her starters. That's mm-hmm. you hardly ever see that, and so it shows that the girls you know like playing for Lynn Roberts and they're motivated to you know erase what happened last year and kind of build off you know their moment, momentum and uh, you know, finish better than they did last year. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what they can do. And you know what else is going to be exciting, guys? The 2023 NBA Draft is this week. And Lockdown has you covered with their NBA Mock Draft Special. It's here and bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode Ultimate Mock Draft Experience. Only Lockdown can deliver. All episodes are available now on Lockdown NBA Big Board and on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure you guys check all of that out from us at the Locked On Network with the NBA Draft closing in. Nathan, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you, JT. Appreciate it. Make sure you check out all the great work Nathan and everyone else over at Ute Zone has. That is going to do it for our show today, but we'll be back tomorrow talking more Utah football on Locked On Utes.